Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to another NBA edition of the Rambling Viking Podcast. Something that is less regular than the NFL because there's NBA games every day, all the time, multiple games a week. So she's going to do one every now and again. Still early on in the season, though. So I want to talk a little bit about you know, my first episode, first couple episodes I uh, put together that spreadsheet. If you haven't seen the spreadsheet, I can uh, link to it again down below, but basically it's a spreadsheet looking at the last, only in the last three years, um, what am I trying to say? only at the last three seasons, uh, the, the predicted wins versus the actuals and how, uh, how we've seen more, uh, a greater average, um, difference. Between those two, sorry, I just got done playing with my dogs, um, and my dog is 110 pounds, and so it's like wrestling a real person, so I'm breathing a little bit heavy. Anyway, anyways, and, you know, three years ago, you saw your average win-loss difference um, on the predicted versus the actuals was like, I don't know, two or three, now it's up to like seven the past two seasons, which is awesome, I think, because I think that really shows there's more parity in the league, so... We're going to look at where we stand on the, where we are in the standings. I'm going to make some early playoff predictions, and uh, we're just going to talk some NBA stuff. I'm, I'm going to be totally honest here. I'm still fully like a midseason, still like I, I'm more in the football mode still. So I'm still switching over and, and getting that my, that NBA side of my brain and my fandom going as far as being totally in the loop on everything. But I've got most things, and I'm sure there's some stuff I might overlook, but. Hey, is what it is. So, ooh, there we go. Let's look at the league overall, where we stand in the league. So, at the top, we'll just do like the top five right now. We're a little over, we're a couple weeks into the season, or almost, yeah, coming about two and a half, three weeks into the season. Boston is nine and one. Lakers are coming in second at nine and two. The Rockets are eight and three. Then you have the Raptors at eight and three, and the Jazz at eight and three. Now, a little surprising about that. I think I think the Jazz is the only one that's semi surprising, but even then, it's not really surprising. They got Mike Conley, they got Bogdanovich, so it's like there's a you know they're they're building off what they had last season. Um, now, one surprising team that I would say that's kind of in this in this top ten, if you will. We'll keep going. We'll go ahead and do the bottom five. You have Miami Heat. Uh, at seven and three, then you have the Bucks. No surprise there. Seven and three, the Nuggets. Seven and three, and the Seventy Sixers at seven and three. And then uh, right behind them, I mean, you've got the Clippers, the Pacers, so on and so forth. Uh, let's look at see if we have any surprises. Yes, surprising teams that are in the bottom half, or shoot, even the bottom third, uh, or surprising team, I should say. Portland Trailblazers are four and eight. I don't know what's going on with them, but they are struggling. Four and eight right now after that supposedly, I mean, that really good year last season, you figured that that good run, you figured, oh, yeah, they'd be uh, they'd be poised to, you know, be in that top half again, at least be over 500. My goodness. Um, because, yeah, everyone else is kind of not surprising. The Nets, I guess they're four and six, so they're slightly under 500, but all they have is Kyrie, and Kyrie's crazy, so... Slow start off to the season. Um, you guys know I'm a Thunder fan, so Thunder four and seven, kind of. I'm gonna say that's expected. 
it's expected. Put up good fights, and I mean, a couple of those games you could easily be, you could easily be six and five, uh, six and five. You know, matter of a couple different, a couple different in, handful of possessions went differently, very easily. Oh, should I say is this surprising? I don't think this is surprising. Bottom of the league, below the New York Knicks. Golden State Warriors are 2-10. and ten. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. I know people aren't going to try and admit it like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it, it is true. Clay's out for probably the entire season. Steph just broke his hand. Draymond was out. The bigger thing is, though, they don't have those kind of key veteran players sprinkled in their bench of G League players that, that can kind of hold things together. And... So they've kind of completely fallen apart this season. Uh, what I was going to say is, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Dynasty dynasty done, I guess. I mean, I think you get them all three back. They're still in contention. But really, look at their, looking at their bench, I mean, they have D'Angelo Russell. Sorry, sorry. What I meant to say is D'Angelo Russell featuring the Santa Cruz or Santa Cruz Warriors featuring D'Angelo Russell are 2-10 and 10 in the NBA. No surprise there. That's a, a little crappily timed super late joke but whatever that's what i've been saying that's how i've been identifying him yeah i forget they have d'angelo russell and they're still two and ten so the warriors are totally in a tank right now bottom of the league i didn't realize they were below the knicks holy crap knicks two and nine i mean i think i think that'll change but based on how things went without those without those mega superstars to really carry the team and get hot system's kind of broke dog you kind of count on you have Two of the great, two of the greatest shooters in Clay and Steph, who in either one of them or both of them can get lava hot, and then you have Draymond just screaming at people in the paint, and now you add D'Angelo Russell, who can kind of get hot as well. It's like, yeah, if if that team is healthy, that's still a good team, and that's a team that could get hot in the third quarter and go up by twenty five points, and then their bench can just do not suck enough, and they'll be all right. But oof, they are sucking. And then this one, I'm. Okay, I'm going to say it's a little surprising. The Pelicans are 2-8. and eight. Now, once again, Zion missing the first six to eight weeks of the season because his knee. I, as much as I don't want to just jump into the camp of like, is his frame a problem for his knees? I'm going to jump into that camp a little bit. Because I'm sorry, but that dude, that dude is like, people are like, yeah, I just built like LeBron. I think he had, he has 20 pounds on LeBron. I think he's like 285. Uh, let me let me just look it up real quick. But he's like 6'8", 285. LeBron, at his heaviest, I don't think was 285. He might have been 270, 275. But he was always a little bit more lean. I mean, he was 265 and super lean. Zion is built like a freaking... I mean, that's like a that's a nasty tight end right there. Honestly, I I still like to hold the joke that that dude got into the wrong sport. He could have been he could have been an amazing tight end if he slimmed up and is really that fast or a disgusting receiver or something like. I mean, or shoot, even a DN like this dude could have been something big. But I mean, he went to basketball. He's got the talent. We'll see how much he how big his effect is once he actually gets back. But. Even without him, I mean, the Pelicans have some good pieces. I figured they'd be a little bit better than two and eight, but it is what it is. So interesting, interesting first few weeks of the season. We have, uh, you know, a lot of teams kind of right where we expected, but then some other teams that are struggling a little bit more. So let's, uh, so that'll be interesting. So let's let's look at the conference and start talking. We can start talking early playoff predictions here. All right. So we'll start over in the Eastern Conference. 
let's see. I'm, I'm trying to find. I'm trying to do two things. I'm trying to figure out Zion Williams's size. <laughs> Just the size. Weight. I'll say weight. Yeah, let's see what was last reported. Okay, Google, maybe not. Oh, 284 pounds. Oh, oh my gosh. She's only listed as 6'6"? No way. Oh, that's even... Okay, well, here, it's funny. They have LeBron James down here. He's 250. Yeah, LeBron is a a solid 6'8", and I think he was like 265, 270 at his heaviest. If this guy's two inches shorter and has like 20 more pounds... I don't care who you are. That's a basketball with the type of cutting and agility it takes. That's going to take a toll on your frame or, or on your joints down there with that, that size of frame. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's just built that way. But if you're coming in like this and you've already got a couple problems like that, you need, he needs to take extra care to really manage that. To be like, all right, I'm going to rehab this and I'm going to figure out what I need to do to take care of it because that's going to be the first things to go. And I don't want to see this guy Greg Oden out of the league, all right, who's already, who already had the knees of a 50-year-old coming in his first pick and then just bouncing out. I don't want to see that. Nobody wants to see that. I think it would be crazy if it happened, but yeah. So let's jump into the, the conference standings. In the East, right now, I'm going to read off the top eight teams. You have the Celtics, the Raptors, the Heat, the Bucks, the 76ers, the Pacers, the Cavs. Excuse me. That was just surprising. And the Hawks with the Nets, the Hornets, the Magic, the Bulls. And I'm going to stop there. And maybe the Pistons are all kind of in the hunt. It's the only two that are kind of, I would say, probably out of the hunt. and Probably definitely out. You can already consider out of the playoffs is your Wizards and your Knicks. Um, I think the... So let's talk playoff predictions. Uh, in no particular order, I definitely think you're going to have the Celtics, the Raptors, the Bucks, the Sixers. So those are those. There's four of your eight, and so we need the bottom four. I think your next four. I think you. I think you'll have the Pacers in there. They're proving to be pretty good. And you have the Pacers, and. Hmm, this is tough now. I'm going to say the Pacers, the Nets, the Hawks, and the Magic. I'm going to go with the Magic. That's my, that's my, in no particular order, that's my playoff teams in the East. Um, But I, uh, you know, I think you could have surprises you could have. Right now the Cavs are... And look, it's only because we're not very deep, and so a lot of teams are, you know, maybe slow start, and then it'll pick up. And you, there's so many games to play; so much could change. So, like the Cavs are at the seventh spot right now, but I don't think that's going to last. I think they're a decent team, but I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I mean, they technically could. That that seven and eight spot are kind of wide open for. I think there's like four or five teams you have that could possibly they're going to be gunning for that spot. You have the Hawks, Cavs, Nets, uh, Hornets, Magic. And I don't know if I'll give the Pistons and the Bulls. I don't think the Bulls. I think the Bulls are for sure out. The Pistons, maybe. I'll, I'll throw them in there. So basically, you only have like three teams that I would consider kind of totally out, like not going to make the playoffs. And that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Three out of 16. So you got 13 teams, you know, and that, that, that's going to be fun to watch. Lots of parody in the league. I like that. Then we'll go Western Conference. Here we go. Now this one. Ooh, man. This one feels a lot tighter. 
So right now, your top eight are Lakers, Rockets, Jazz, and you have the Nuggets, the Clippers, the T-Wolves, the Mavs, and the Suns. Surprise, surprise. So that's your current top eight. I definitely think some of those are going to stay. We'll go ahead and say, I think for sure, Pete, for sure ends for the playoffs. Lakers, Rockets, Clippers, Jazz, Nuggets. So that's five right there. Now, the interesting question becomes, I think the bottom three, I think you're going to have the Spurs. They always manage to do that. So there's six. So that leaves two slots open. And the real question is, looking at how where the Trailblazers are, see, before they were 4-8, and eight, you know, maybe the first couple games of the season, I would have said, yeah, Blazers are in, a shoe-in. And you know what? I think they'll get it together. So I'm going to go ahead and go Blazers. Did I already say? Oh, crap. Yeah, I said the Mavs. No, wait, hold on. I said one, two, three, six. Right, right. So I think the Mavs and the Blazers in the next two teams. Teams that are for sure out, uh, it's tough to, it's a little bit tougher to say over here. Um, I think. I I don't see Golden State. They're gonna get too much in the in the they're gonna get too much in the hole for by the time they get Steph back and then if late in the season they get Clay back, I don't think they'll be able to climb out. Uh, it's kind of wild to see this. Like I'm I'm almost in shock that this is actually happening, but I think I think the Warriors are out. The Pelicans, they could squeak in. I'm not necessarily the Suns are surprising at six and four right now, but I don't I don't see that I don't see that panning out for the whole season. I could be totally wrong. Um, the Kings are going to, but they, they might be one of those fringe teams. I think the Grizzlies probably out. Uh, the Pelicans, two and eight right now. It just, if they have to kind of get it together. And then if Zion comes back, he has to make a pretty big impact. If he doesn't, I don't know. This West is just too competitive. This is even more open than freaking, you could almost make a case for really any team. Like Steph comes back in, I don't know couple months in January it's like they could have just a gross run on the back half it's unlikely but they could and they could somehow make the eight seed like the Grizzlies could young themselves through John Morant they could young player themselves into an eight spot eight seed like this is very doable so let's go over that one more time because I think I got lost a little bit in the middle of that so my my Western Conference Conference predictions are the Lakers the Rockets the Jazz the Nuggets the Clippers the Mavericks the Spurs and the Trailblazers. I think the Pelicans are going to be a, a fringe team. I think the Suns are going to be a fringe team. The T-Wolves are apparently pretty good. I guess I'll put them as a fringe team. But to me, they always kind of fizzle out. They'll fizzle out by the end of the year. And that, that won't last. It won't. I just don't see it lasting. It could be totally wrong. could be totally wrong. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't last. Um, I, I think Golden State's, they might fight their way into be a fringe team, but I think they're going to miss out. Uh, the Thunder... Honestly, weirdly enough, as a fan, I'd rather them be worse than I'd rather them be further from the playoffs and closer to making the playoffs, just for the simple fact of a draft pick to because that that'll truly help a rebuild if you can get an actual good draft pick out of that. So, yeah, but you got a couple teams that are fringe teams, you know, in the Suns. I'd say the Suns, the T Wolves, the Kings, um, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say the Pelicans. Uh, I think the I think the Blazers are gonna they're, they're gonna figure it out. They're gonna bounce back. They're gonna get, get it together. So. 
on now we we have an email pertaining to this. So let's let's hear what Connor's playoff predictions are. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> let's see what his were. Now I hadn't I hadn't looked at these yet. I I glanced at this email, but I said I wanted to do my predictions first, so I wouldn't possibly be influenced by his. So. Uh, frequent listener and emailer Connor has emailed in his NBA, NBA playoff predictions. He emailed these uh, a little over or 10 days ago, exactly, actually. So um, it's uh, been a little bit late getting to this, but this is after a week or two. Yeah, his was almost just a little over a week into the season in no particular order. So we'll go with the East first. He has the Sixers, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Heat. Jimmy is hooping, he says. I absolutely agree. Raptors uh, with Siakam, who is just shredding things. Pacers, Atlanta. And then he, this is where we differ, is the the fringe spot. The Pistons, because he likes Blake and Drummond. Uh, that's totally fair. He's, I, I do know that Connor is a big man lover and old school. Uh, bang the boards, banging in the paint down low throwing bows uh, type players so or type fans so I, I get that and you know what I could see the Pistons filling that a spot totally reasonably like there's no like they could definitely fill that it's really kind of up for grabs you could have the Pistons you could have the magic you could have the Nets it's anybody's game at this point so really I think we had the same seven in that one in the west looking at uh, the Lakers the Blippers big B's <laughs> that's funny uh, the Mavs, the Jazz, the Spurs, the Nuggets, the Rockets. So all the same there, in agreement there. And then for that final spice is, I don't know, the T-Wolves, maybe Portland, WTF, the Suns. I don't know, man. I will go with the Trailblazers because I don't believe in them uh, them other teams at all. I Yeah, I totally agree. That's why I picked, that's why I picked the Blazers. I don't believe the Suns are going to last, and I don't believe the T-Wolves are going to last. Um, I think Portland's going to bounce back. But crazy thing, to, this is the first time in, I don't know, like seven, eight years that Warriors have not just automatically been in finals contention, much less, or haven't have been in the playoffs, automatically been in the playoffs, much less finals. Like, yeah, no, they're not doing any of that this year. It's totally changed. We're turning over a new new leaf, and, uh, you know, L.A. is big time again, I guess, sure. Uh, being a small market guy and somebody from the middle of the country, it's just like I, for me personally, I don't, I get it, I get annoyed. It is, it is the nature of the beast. I can't get away from it. The clout that your big markets, your LA's, your, your New York's, your, your Miami's, your Boston's, it, it, it is the, the big market draw that they have that is inevitable because of the clout, because of what they had in the past. And so it's a self perpetuating thing. It's like, People want to go there because of the clout, because they grew up with fans, and so they want to go there and make it great, and then so it continually is great. It always has that draw. And I mean, L.A. is kind of like the media hub of our country, and they shoot even internationally and as far as movies and everything. So, yeah, uh, I, I as much as tired as I get of people like, L.A. was just sucking, and people are like, yeah, I want to go to L.A., and I'm like, they suck. Typically, people want to go to a team that has a chance, but you know, then you have the LeBron effect. And so now they have LeBron and AD, who I think just got injured a little bit. And that's my big thing with the Lakers. AD, can he stay healthy? He has not stayed healthy, I don't think, for once in his career. And I, I just don't see it. 
I don't see him staying healthy, and I think I think the Lakers are going to have some midseason struggles where I think you may have AD go down, you may have LeBron um, having to manage workload a little bit. Uh, that's another interesting story that's come up is this workload management debacle with players not playing because of workload management. And so basically the question being begged, looking at the overarching thing, is saying, all right, why is the workload management? What's going on with these guys? And, you know, there's, there's supposedly nursing energies and, or injuries and you have you have the stance you have basically people will say like like MJ you're you're paid to play 82 games you play 82 games it's what you signed up for and you have the people saying yeah but things have gotten more rigorous you have back to backs the travel is crazy and I don't know it's been 82 games for the last 20 30 years so it's it's like it's all the same and only like the the healthcare the the training the the personal care has all gotten better. So why are we, and we're still seeing influx of injuries on younger players and things like that. And so the question becomes, all right, what is this coming from? What has changed in basketball? And this is, this has been a topic that's come up recently and it's been the AAU has transformed youth basketball. LeBron, LeBron actually had some, some good insight. He doesn't always, <laughs> he had some good insight on, on this particular because he's, he's case an example of he's been in the league almost two decades now, 17 years, I believe, something like that, um, 17, 18 years. And he's longevity has been a huge thing, and especially with a guy built like him. That's your number one question is longevity. How can he hold up? And he's managed to do a great job, and he's figured it out. So the AAU is kind of the, 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 the changing factor. What we've seen over the last 20 years is you've seen it no longer becomes, all right, you, you play like, yeah, you play some summer basketball on a traveling team, but you play, you go and play for a good, you know, big name high school. You get scouted that way. You go to college, you play for a year or two, and then you're in the NBA. Now you're seeing it. You're starting at 10, 11, 12. You're playing these year round basketball, these AAU tournaments. You're going on a weekend. You'll play three or four five games in a weekend you know, at 13, 14, 15. And so really, you know, what we're seeing is you're seeing guys that are 19, 20, 21, 22 coming into the league having it shifted. It shifted. If, 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 if a player has an odometer, right, instead of coming in with 20,000 miles on them, they're coming in with 50 to 75,000. The positive is the development is, is come further. Guys come in, they're more NBA ready, they're more game ready, their skills, their individual skill sets, their, their knowledge of the game is way ahead of its time. Like I think of Trey Young. Honestly, I was a doubter of Trey Young. He's come in and inserted himself and immediately had an impact. Whereas I think in years past, in decades past, he would come in and he would have to, he would ride the bench, he would have to develop, he maybe even play first. A, a season as like a little like you know he may get called down to the G League a couple times because he would have some serious uh, spots that he would have to develop some some blind spots dead spots whatever you want to call it but now you're seeing guys come in and have an impact so on one hand that's good on the other hand if if you were to look at it we all know prime is from like that 26 27 to like that 32 33 range so I think really what you're seeing, and because normally, based upon what we know, is that's the normal progression as far as like you come in, you have to come in several years, you get built, you understand the game, you get adapted, you get you, you finish as guys, we finish developing finally by the time we're 25, so we're fully developed, and we figured it out, found our niche, and then boom, you take off. Well now, 
I think that's almost being shifted up. And now I would even see, I think in the ne- over the next decade, you're going to see, I think we're going to see a shift before long in how people approach AAU. Like you already have Darius Basil who went the super non-traditional round. I don't know. I'm sure he played AAU, but he didn't go to college. He took two years off. He worked out. He's coming in. He looks decent for what it is, you know, for not actually playing like formal basketball for a while. But I think, I think, I think over the next 10 and 12 years, you're going to start seeing a shift in people managing like there's going to be a, become a microscope on AU. We've already seen a lot of injuries this year. I think you're going to have a microscope come under the the youth basketball and how we treat that because I think it's I think it's hit an unhealthy point. I mean, but I've already thought that. I already I already was like skeptical of like these kids are they're already living the professional athlete lifestyle, but they're they're 14 and 15. Like you can't even be a kid anymore. You can't even go and like yeah I'm gonna play high school basketball and play traveling basketball on a traveling team, like in, in the summer, off season, whatever. And yeah, basketball year round need to do that. But now it's become, that's the system is like, you want to get seen by a scout. You got to go play, play, play. And, uh, Le- LeBron's comments were basically both his kids are in AU, And he said, he said, he, if, if his son says, I'm tired, I'm sore, I'm this or whatever, he'll sit him a game. And I think that's smart because he said there was one day and I don't know if this is an exaggeration or not. And, because I don't have a ton of insight, but I honestly, I have no reason not to believe it where they were scheduled to play five games in a day because they have a tournament on these weekends and his team was going to play five games in one day. I get, it's not the same level of play as the NBA, but it's still super competitive and that's a ton. That's too much. I think there needs to be some sort of, I think you can go every now and again and play a tournament, but if you're practicing throughout the week, you're doing all this stuff. And then on the weekends you go and you kill your body like that. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see an influx of people. We're going to see, you're going to continue to see this trend of people coming into the league and then people br- bodies breaking down early on in their careers and having problems that you wouldn't normally see until someone's 28, 29, 30, where you could see potential problems and injuries or, or chronic issues coming into play. You're going to see those coming into play at like 24, 25 now. Well, I mean, guys will come into the league at 20, they'll be five years in. You know, it's different than guys going three, four years at a college coming out 21, 22, getting five years in and then hitting their prime and then hitting their injuries because the workload of the NBA, they're seeing almost NBA level workloads shoot or worse than that now already. And so I think, I think that's good. And I think, I think we need to step back and maybe reevaluate how hard we're pushing these kids because it's actually it's hurting them long-term in their career. And I think if I were in the position of coaching an AAU-style team or something like that, I think I would seriously consider, if you don't have, like, I'd almost want a pool of 20 players on the team to be able to rotate so I could, and, and like, so I could, so I could, you know, kind of like a baseball team. So, you know, you pitch last game, you're not going to pitch this game type deal. Like, you play the first game in the morning, and then you play the game around, and then we'll have these guys play the game around noon, and then we'll kind of have a happy mixture. And so it's then, then instead of it's guys playing, having the workload of three games on them, it's more like a game and a half to two games on each guys if you're able to do that. Now, that's kind of a totally out there idea that just kind of came into my brain. I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I think it's definitely something to look at and say, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with with basketball and how are we going to see this affect it? Because another great point, I don't know, I don't think it was LeBron, somebody else made where they said they're, they're observe, 
their observation of AAU was it does. Oh, it was, uh, was it Vladi Divac or Vucevic? I, it was one of the Eastern European guys who he, he's, he grew up in Europe, but he's also came a little bit through AAU ball. And he said, the problem with AAU ball is it's too much hero ball too much. It's, you see the best players learning how to, how to, get theirs or make themselves look awesome or play against five as opposed to learning the system of how you play in a system with a team. But it's like, you'll have a team who has one really good kid and they just work around that one really good kid. And it's a one V five thing where that kid just goes down, beats the defense because he's so much better than everybody else. And then that's all she wrote. And so he's saying from his point was from a developmental standpoint, it actually is kind of detrimental because it's, it's, it's promoting this almost, well, I guess we can call it, He's promoting this hero ball type play style. And that's his big critique was his big critique is that it's not actually you're, you're missing guys are missing fundamentals. They're missing, they're missing actual, what I would call basketball IQ parts of it, where it's learning how to actually, you know, play as a team and as a unit, because ultimately that's, I mean, that's how you're going to win championships is you're going to, you got to get in there. You're going to have to have, you're going to have to have to have at least enough help because not everyone's going to be LeBron, especially once you get to the NBA level. Like that's a generational player. And we're seeing that with supposedly, you know, Zion's going to be that style of player. We'll see. I'm, I'm a little nervous and skeptical, but I'm not going to count my chickens yet. Uh, we're going to wait and see how he comes out and see, see how this pans out. And I, th- I think all in all, he'll hopefully, he can hopefully rehab and get this thing right and take care of his body right and be fine and have a great long career. So, but yeah, that's where I'm going to close out today. Let me know your thoughts on um, on the the NBA right now as it's with the standings. Where you think? Give me your playoff predictions, like Connor did. Send them in, or any of the stories that are going on. Um, if you want to, let me know what your thoughts are on this this last bit here, talking about AU, talking about the, you know, is it is it better? The weighing the pros and cons of this youth basketball system and how AAU operates now and how many miles, if you want to put it that way, guys have on them by the time they get to be 23, 22, and they're coming into the NBA. And if that's, if, if, if it's better, if, if we've read, are we, have we gone too far? Are, do we need, do we need to rein that in a little bit? I think so. But I'd love to know your thoughts on that entire situation. Uh, so send me an email, theramblingviking at gmail.com. And if you think that's too much for an email for any reason, I'm definitely open to having guests on. And if you'd rather just come on and maybe chat about it a little bit, we can figure that out. You don't have to be local and be able to come in person. We can arrange phone call, Skype call, whatever. But definitely would love to know your thoughts on that situation or on anything I've talked about, anything NBA-related. Uh, love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please, you know, make sure, why not hit the like button? Maybe, maybe subscribe a little bit. You can catch my new episodes. I do NFL episodes. I do NBA episodes. And I do uh, episodes just about anything and everything. You know, a lot of deeper stuff, a lot of, you go political, you go philosophical, you go, you know, faith-based stuff, whatever have you. But thanks for tuning in today to this NBA episode of the Rambling Viking podcast. And I am your host, the Rambling Viking. And until next time, see you.